This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello and welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. In honor of Father's Day, we've got two special interviews for you, focusing on, as you might expect, dads. The first is with the co-author of a real talk book about parenting. There's no sugarcoating here, no pandering, no cliches, just honest advice from two guys who did everything wrong but somehow managed to get it all right. From navigating epic diaper blowouts to managing pregnancy cravings to learning about the wonderful world of nipples, we've got you covered. And we're going to be talking about how you can best be there for your baby mama and take care of your kid without losing your mind in the process. In the second interview, we're going to be talking with a dad, a doula, and a breastfeeding coach. And that's not three people. That's all one person. And yes, he is a dad and a doula at the same time. It's an amazing story, and he's got amazing advice on pregnancy and childbirth. And all of that is coming up when Positive Parenting continues right after this. Hey, Kevin, thinking about saving for retirement? Yeah, but how do I start? It's easy with Avvo, a retirement coach. Let's learn the Avvo bet. For taking action. Not anxiety? No, Kevin, you're gonna be fine. You sing? Barely. V is for variety. Huh. Change up my strategy. Okay. O is for optimize your savings. Let Avo lead the way. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and my guest for this part of today's show is John Lutzi, who's the co-author with Don Miggs of Dads Know Best. And that's the, there's no, there is no subtitle. How are you? <laughs> good. I'm good, man. So Thanks for having me. What's, uh, what is it that you think that you know best? Nothing. <laughs> I'm still that, learning. That's the right answer, I think. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, we we called it Dad's No Best and the No Best series um, because there's, there's obviously going to be more books in the series, but it was kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek, right? Like, none of us know best, but we all want to do our best. Um, so it's the, it, it basically is full of the, the best advice that we can come up with. You know, I, I always thought about parenting or fatherhood in particular, since that's what I do. Is as kind of like getting a black belt or the the philosophy behind black belts, at least when I was doing karate and other martial arts, is that when you finally get a black belt, it, it's supposed to be an indication because in the old days of martial arts, they didn't actually have belts and you it was a, your belt was just filthier and filthier and it eventually became black. But and then when you ah. get when, when you get to be a black belt, though, after a while, the belt starts to wear out. And it gets lighter and lighter and lighter, and it's when you it's it's that time when you think you know something. Just when you get to the point where you think you know something, that your kids turn around and let you know that you don't know anything. And it's it really is true. Yeah, as as you said, it's it's a learning experience all the way around and every day. And and I mean, my, my daughter is constantly telling me, "Well, why, how could you possibly write a book about this? What do you do? You don't know anything." 
Say, you know, you're right. You're right? right. I'm sure that's right around the corner for all of our kids. Like, what? You wrote a book on on being my dad? Yeah. And and that makes you qualified how exactly? But that's right. <laughs> exactly. And so in, enjoy well, and, you know, enjoy Don, our, Don our collective ignorance. All... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Don says to people all the time, you know, kind of same thing as as the black belt theory that you just mentioned is it really is, you know, being a dad and a parent is, it's like every day is an etch-a-sketch, right? You think you have it and you wake up the next day and the kid shakes it all clean. And it's like, here you go. Brand new, brand new game plan. So how does it work out from the very beginning the, the book takes you through the whole process of from the beginning, from just before somebody tells you that you're about to become a dad through the time when you are a dad, how does how does your life change, or what are what are the big things that we need to know about even before you become a dad? You know, even you even before, and the, and the book was it basically came about because uh, I had I was having my first child, my wife and I, and and Don had two kids, and I had this pile of books on becoming a father, and I thought. Uh, people were giving me the short end of the stick on the info because I would see Don go through things, and I'm like, wait, these books aren't, they're not giving me the real story, right? So I i had this craving to learn all the nitty-gritty stuff that, that nobody was telling in these books kind of thing. And so, you know, everybody says your life's going to change, it's all going to change, and, and that's true and, and can't be... Um, express enough how much things will change but there's still things i didn't know you know i'm uh my wife works so hard for this family and i have a lot of the stay-at-home dad duties and i'm a musician um, i have a recording studio at my house and i one of the big things that i didn't realize was going to happen when i became a father is not just that everything's going to change but that my world and how i did things and how i worked on my craft and my job and everything was put on pause, right? It's like somebody literally hit the pause button on my career and was like, this is your job now, and we'll resume later, you know, when it's at that time. And and it's just amazing how before you're a father, you think, I'm still going to do all this, and this is still going to be important. And, and the, you know, obviously music's really important to me, and there's these things that are priorities in my life. And it is almost a stressful thing thinking, hearing like, oh, all those things are going to hit pause for a second because I'm going to have to focus on this. Well, I don't know if I want to. But the second you see your kid, you're like, you know what? It's, I'm good with hitting pause for a minute. It, you know, it's fine because this is my world now. So that was a, a crazy thing that, yeah. that I didn't realize beforehand. Well, one, let me get your let me get your take on something because I, I teach classes for expectant fathers and, and one of the things that comes up we always talk in the beginning before the whole class starts about what do you guys want to talk about and and what are the things that are most important to you and a lot of them say kind of what you were saying but the the, the basic idea being I, I I want to be able to continue to have my me time and we always talk about how I think anyway it's it's important to incorporate your kids into your life. So you, yes, you put your life on pause for a little bit, but it's important to have the kids know what you do. And there's no reason why you can't bring your child into the recording studio as long as he or she's not sitting right in front of one of the speakers. 
and there's no Absolutely. reason. Absolutely, and it's his favorite place now. Yeah, and and so that's you know that that's an important thing. You don't want to lose you. You want to put your your life on pause for a little bit, but you don't want to put the whole thing on pause for too long because then you lose who you are. Absolutely. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. And uh, and you know that you, you make a great point. I our kids are all going to grow up to be whatever they're going to be, right? But I obviously we want them to to be involved in the things we love. And I made it a point. Uh, you know, my son was probably three or four months old, and we went to visit Don and his family in L.A., and he was he got to be in the studio with us there and watch us record, and now he his favorite thing is to come in the studio here. So you you got to give him access to what you do because then it also keeps a piece of you, right? Like there definitely was, uh, there was a, a, a little gap of time there, an initial time where I didn't realize that, and I put everything like on hold right for longer than it should be and i had to stop myself and go no you know what it doesn't need to be like this because i can bring him in here and then i'm instantly not losing that part of myself right then it's better at the end of the day because now my favorite thing and the the thing that means most to me my son is now a part of so now i've got two of the greatest things in my life that are both feeding into each other right so it's exactly. really, really like yeah. that's such a great point and it's it's really important to stress that like don't don't put it on pause so much that you lose who you are or lose your passions and things because then it's going to negatively affect the you, you know the entire family yeah let's get back though to the pregnancy just a little bit you talk about the importance yeah. of going to the doctor visits and it, t- tell me about that what why do you think that's so important to do yeah i think it's really you know, I, Don and I both are just really involved husbands and fathers. And so for for me, there was never, unless I was on the road, and, and Don and I were touring for, for some of my wife's pregnancy, but unless I was on the road, I didn't want to miss one. I wanted to know everything that was going on. I wanted to see the ultrasound, even though I had no idea what I was looking at half the time, right? Um, and my wife is an ultrasound technician, um, so we're there getting ultrasound, getting them done by her friends, and it's all people we know for most of the visits, and they all know what they're looking at, and I'm just sitting kind of like lost in the corner, but you created that life, so I, it's, I didn't want to miss any of it, and sure, some of them are boring, but the other half of it is you don't ever want your wife to, or partner or whatever the relationship is, you don't want that person to feel like they're going through that alone, because what they're going through and their bodies and their emotions and their hormones, like that's heavy stuff. And they have zero control over 90% of it. So even if you're sitting in that room thinking, this is the most boring doctor visit ever. Why am I here? The support you're giving to that person as they carry your child and go through this crazy thing that they're going through, Mm -hmm. I think is, is a priceless thing that they they need it's really more about them but it's cool for you there's great visits that are yeah. that are fun when you actually when the guy can make out the actual figure of the baby for the first time it's like oh my god yeah but it's also so important i think to be there because you've got questions too that that may need to be mm-hmm. asked and and by speaking up and asking questions you become part of the process and they're less likely to treat you like you're lost in the corner and treat you like an equal player in the whole thing yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to speak up and, and ask questions and, and just be well-informed, right? The, the flip side of, of 
me feeling lost sometimes because it was my wife and people, you know, coworkers doing it and all that is that I always kind of got the inside track of somebody explaining to me because my wife understood it all. So if we got in the car, it was like, oh, I didn't get this. What were they saying? What were they saying? But, but even now, I have, you know, my son's three years old and we've had a ton of doctor's visits. Um, you know, my son had bilateral hearing loss at birth. And so we've had a lot of really tough doctor's visits. And I've learned that it's way better to ask the hard questions, no matter how uncomfortable they are. Mm -hmm because it makes you feel better at the end of the day that you know what's going on. Because as a parent, one of the biggest, I think, things that can stress you out and, uh, and negatively affect your, your life is the unknown, right? It's the unknown of, well, what if, well, what is, like, could my kid have this? Is this wrong with him? Blah, blah, blah. There's all that stuff. So yep. when you're there and you can ask the tough questions, it gets you through the end of the day because you know what's going on. Talking with John Lutzi, who's the co-author with Don Miggs of Dad's Know Best. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking with John about the, the rest of, of, well, the rest of parenthood, but the first, first little bit of parenthood. I'm Armin Brott. You're listening to Positive Parenting. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. Everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to John Lutzi, who's the co-author with Don Miggs of Dads Know Best, and want to move ahead a little bit. So we've we've been to the doctor visits, and we talked a little bit about bringing the kid into the studio, but that's that's for a little bit further on. But what about the feeding thing? I think one of the things that a lot of dads think is that well, the whole feeding thing. I mean, there's nothing we can do to compete with breastfeeding, so we might as well go find something else to do. What do you think about getting dads involved in feeding, and what what is our role in in feeding? I, yeah, you know, I think it is uh, is a super. I think the dad has a huge role in in that, um, and it's different for every mother. And our story was different than a lot of other people, but um, you know, breastfeeding and that whole thing is not easy for everyone and it's a really really hard difficult emotional uh road for a lot of moms and there's a lot of things that go along with it and opinions on it and breastfeeding is great i'm not saying that it's not at all but my role in in that area of feeding became huge when breastfeeding wasn't the easiest thing for our family and i saw that it was a very extremely difficult thing uh, for my wife to go through, and we eventually came to the decision that we were going to switch to bottles because it was uh, bottles and formula because it was going to be better emotionally and physically and everything for the dynamic of our family. Because, like I said, it was a very, very tough thing in a lot of aspects to go through for her. And so we made that decision. And, you know, by that time, we both had a million sleepless nights, but I took a lot of the night shifts 
in feeding and let my wife sleep and recover because it takes a long time to recover from pregnancy. And it's an awesome, fun time. Like it sucks to wake up every two hours, but you're really not sleeping more than every two hours anyways. And especially at night, it's just that there's nothing, there's nothing of the, the rest of the world and work and things you have to do. Nothing's bugging you. It's like, it was just me and my son sitting there with a bottle and nothing else, but like, holding him, bonding with him. And kids have a, a, a huge bond with their mother, a, a bond that I think I think fathers have a just as big of a bond, but it's different, and I don't really know how to explain it. But, the, it. but there is a difference. So the chance for me to take some of those times and use it as a time where I could bond with my son and just, just hold him and stare at him and let him eat. It's like, it's crazy, but there, it was great times. And it gave my wife extra time to relax and recover and get through all the things that her, you know, the recovery that her body and everything needs to go through. So I'd say be as involved in feeding as you humanly possibly could and keep an eye on your wife and, or partner and, you know, notice if, if breastfeeding is, a fun thing to them or if it, you know, like if it's a nice bonding experience or if it seems like it's a stress or a burden or becomes an anxiety type thing, speak up because it's your, it's our jobs as, as husbands and fathers to look out for the partner and, or wife, you know, mother of our child, Mm -hmm. uh, over everything. So if you see something that doesn't look like it should be, then it's our job to say something and, fix that solution and that was our family's problem for that and I got great bonding time with my son out of it. Yeah. Well, it's also important for things like postpartum depression for us to be paying mm-hmm. attention as well because the the moms themselves may not completely be aware of what's going on and if we're not there to point out the the issues or to help to make sure that she gets the help she needs, things could get much worse. Yeah, it's very true. It's this, you know, it's the same thing like you said at the doctor, you know, it's important to ask questions. Like it's the, it's the same thing. Like with your wife, you, we got to watch out for all that stuff because postpartum depression and everything that goes with it is very, very real. And a lot of the times, like you said, the, you know, the mother doesn't realize, won't see that she's going through it because there's so much that they're going through. How could they with all of that? So you got to ask the questions. You have to ask the tough questions and it will make everything better in the end. And, it, it, you know, it's just another another way for you to be strong for your family. So what was the hardest part of parenting for you? Man, the hardest part of parenting for me. What is, I, feel, I feel like the hardest part is ahead, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> uh, my son's three. I, I have enjoyed so much of it. Um, the, but the hardest part for me so far has been, has actually been nothing really to do with the parenting, but it's been the, now the worry of there's this little dude that I would do anything in the world for, and I want to give him the best life, life possible. And it's the, that small little worry that will come sometimes of like, man, what if I fail him? Or what if I don't do good enough? Which is, stupid to think and it's not it doesn't 
overtake me. You know, it's not like I'm stressed about it all the time, but there's always that thing where you're like, holy cow, I love this, this little, this thing so much. I don't want to let it down. I don't want to fail it. So it's figuring out, not worrying about what hasn't been done, but figuring out what, you know, what can I do right now? What's in my power to do to just to raise him up, to be a great little dude and, and to give him a good life and to teach him how to be a decent human being because we need more of those in the world and kind of refocusing that energy. But that's the, that's the toughest thing, honestly, yeah. is, the, is worrying about failing it. Well, what if you do fail at something? I mean, what's, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, it wouldn't be a complete failure. Obviously, you're, you're much too thoughtful, and you've already spent a lot of time thinking about these things, so you've already been a tremendous success in many ways. But, you know, what if you do fail at, at something? What if, what if you can't teach your, your child to read music, or you can't, you know, or, or what, if, what if he becomes, a, you know, throws softballs through windows or something? You know, we're gonna, yeah. you're going to take those things personally and, and think of those as personal failures. But so what do you think you're going to do? When, and not, I shouldn't even say if, but when when you realize yeah. that maybe you didn't do things as well as you would have liked to. Yeah, you know, because um, it is it's definitely a when. It's not you know it's not an if. We're, I'm going to fail my son, and I'm going to uh, there's things that I'm going to wish I had done better um, or differently. But I think uh, you kind of touched on it. Like I think the the solution is to it's our job to teach to lead by example right so it's you got you have to not take it personal and you have to teach them whatever lesson you can through it so you know if i if hopefully i don't you know i hope my son is great at sports but i'm definitely not going to be the one that can teach him because if i teach him to throw a baseball it is going to go through the window instead of gloves. <laughs> but uh you know it's it's just all about lessons and and teaching them how to get through it so that's one of the, you know, one of the ways I even incorporate into like disciplining is I don't, I don't just say no, or you're going to time out. Like I, you know, and he, my son doesn't understand everything right now, but I think it's important to walk them through the steps of like why something wasn't okay. Why something didn't turn out how they wanted to, why, you know, like why it was different and what you can do to change it and, and what you can do to be or better at it or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, Everything is a learning experience. So if I fail at something, it's going to make me better at the next thing. And that's the most important lesson for him, him to learn. So we only have just a, a minute left. But so I asked you about the, the hardest thing. What do you think has been the, the, the best thing so far? The best thing is waking up and seeing him every day. <laughs> like to eat, even it sounds cheesy, but it's so freaking true. Even if it's 5.30 a.m. and... I have only got three or four hours of sleep. Like he, our son, 90% of the time wakes up smiling and happy. And I just, it's just, it's the greatest thing. I think, I think it changes every day because parenthood changes every day. So if I were to say like a specific example of right now, what my favorite thing is, is he, instead of calling me daddy, he started to add the possession to it. Right. So it's my daddy when he talks to people and there was something totally different about when that happened. So that's my favorite thing right now is when I hear him talk to somebody else and he's like, Oh, Oh yeah. My daddy, blah, blah, blah. That's my daddy. I'm like, Oh dude, that's awesome. John Lutzi is the co-author with Don Miggs of dad's know best. 
During this Father's Day season and year-round, of course, you can find out a lot of other great information about fatherhood and families in my books, starting with The Expectant Father, which, of course, talks about pregnancy and childbirth. The New Father, A Dad's Guide to the First Year continues through the 12th month. And then my completely new and updated third edition of The New Father, A Dad's Guide to the Toddler Years just came out. You can find out information about all of those at MrDad.com. And thanks again to John Lutze for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Hello, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment. Doing art projects, regardless of your level of artistic talent, is one of the best ways we know to spend quality time with your family. Here are some of our current faves. Paint your own stepping stone from Creative Roots. If you and or your young child love gardening, this cute art kit lets you add a little personality and personalization to your outdoor tableau. The kit comes with a 7-inch ceramic stepping stone, six different paints, and a paintbrush. Just mix your colors, paint your stone, and voila. Keep in mind, though, that you're creating art here and not an actual stone to be stepped on. It's for ages 5 and up, costs about 8 bucks, and you can find out more at horizongroupusa.com. The Protest Stencil Toolkit from Lawrence King. Art can reflect or spark social movements, and with this stark utilitarian collection of stencils, you and your family can create slogans and striking visual messages, both pro and con, about the issues that are important to you. The kit contains plenty of classic images from the major 20th century movements, along with new ones that reflect the major issues of the day, including the economy and the environment. It's for activists of all ages, costs about 16 bucks, and you can get more information at lawrenceking.com. Aquabeads Beginner Studio from Aquabeads. This kit comes with more than 800 aquabeads, templates, trays, a bead pen, a peeler, a sprayer, and everything else you need to create easy, colorful art. Just place the beads on the tray. If you need some inspiration, you can slip a template under the tray itself and match the beads to the template. When you're done, spray the beads with water. 20 minutes later, your creation will be dry enough to peel off the tray and handle. It's for ages 4 and up, costs under $15. You can get more information at aquabeadsart.com slash en dash us. Lightbright from Hasbro. Lightbright has been around since 1967, and the new version looks pretty much like the old one that you or your parents may have had decades ago. You still get a variety of colorful translucent pegs, as well as a number of retro templates, or you can go freestyle and create your own designs. Then turn on the light and admire your masterpiece in four different modes, from steady light to blinking light. 
The big differences between the old light bright and today's version are that there are more colors and the lights are brighter. That means that the fun and the sense of accomplishment you get when you flip that switch are just like you remember. It's for all ages, costs under $26. You can get info and more design ideas at basicfun.com. Magic Pen from Ontel. Another way to light up your art experience. Use the included dual-sided markers to draw whatever you'd like or trace almost any image. It's easy since the Magic Pad screen is clear. Then turn on the light and dazzle your audience and yourself. Best of all, when you're done, just wipe off the screen and you're ready to start again. If you need a break from creating art, you can play games like Tic Tac Glow or use the pad to add an element of fun to learning math, spelling, and more. It's for ages 3 and up, costs about $14. You can find out more information at buymagicpad.com. You can also find out a lot more information about many, many other things that we've reviewed, activities, games, toys to do with your family and people you love at our website, parentsatplay.com. We'll be back next week with another brand new show for you. But don't go quite yet because there's a lot more of this positive parenting show coming right up. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties, Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Now, get ready for more positive parenting with Armin Brott from the MrDad.com radio network. Hello and welcome to the second part of today's Positive Parenting Show. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. Thanks for staying with us. Things have certainly changed since the days when nervous fathers were confined to pacing the waiting room, cigars in hand. Today's dads are more actively involved in childbirth than ever before. But if you're like many guys, you may feel unprepared or unsure about how you can help. In this part of today's show, we're going to be going over some time-tested tips to help you get in the game and prepare you for one of the most incredible adventures of your life. Our guest is Brian Salmon, who is a dad, a doula, and a certified lactation counselor. And yes, it's a guy we're talking to, and he is a doula and a certified lactation counselor. It doesn't sound exactly like a guy's kind of work, but he is fantastic at it. And he has got all sorts of practical modern-day survival strategies, especially for dads and birth partners. And we're going to be talking about pretty much everything you're going to need to know about how to support your partner through birth, breastfeeding, and beyond. 
and we'll also talk about how to discover the best ways to maintain a strong connection with your partner as you launch into the wild yet wonderful world of parenthood. I'm Armin Brat. We'll start talking about dads, pregnancy, childbirth, and more right after this. Opiates has taken everything and everyone I've ever loved away from me. Everything. I blew my ankle out and I got prescribed pain pills by my doctor. If making my detox public is going to help somebody, I'm all for it. I just wish I would have had a warning. Opioid dependence can happen after just five days. Know the truth. Spread the truth. A message from Truth, the Ad Council, and ONDCP. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and my guest for this part of today's show is Brian Samon, who is the author of The Birth Guide's Go-To Guide for New Dads, How to Support Your Partner Through Birth, Breastfeeding, and Beyond. Brian, thanks for joining us. Armin, thanks for having me. This is very exciting. You know, I'm a big fan of yours, as I reached out to you three years ago to tell you that. <laughs> I, I so, appreciate that. excited to be here today. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about The Birth Guide and what it is that you do? Well, okay, so I'm a doula, so I attend typically between 8 and 15 births a month, and I'm also a lactation counselor, certified lactation counselor, so I do a lot of lactation consulting, and I teach. I teach uh, birthing classes. Um, they're a little different. I have a, a class called Rocking Dads for Dads, another one Rocking Moms for Moms, um, and one called Rocking Grands for Grandparents, and then I teach private classes and, and breastfeeding classes with a pediatrician named Sky Zedust, and the Rockin' Moms class I typically teach with an OB. Her name is Kelly Morales. It's really fun. Just kind of a little diplomal type of birthing class. Don't you get a little pushback if you're teaching a breastfeeding class as a guy? You know, it's really funny because uh, my class is super popular. And and I do have a you know, female witness. It's not because she's a female. It's because she's a great doctor. And she understands breastfeeding. She did it. So I, I've never really received pushback from the public. It's always been from competitors when I first started out, you know, 15 years ago. It was it was a little rough for the first 10 years. <laughs> so, but now, you know, I could have made a name for myself. I'm very affiliated with, with one of the hospitals here in San Antonio, and I do a lot of work with them. They support my classes. They, they host them, and uh, I do, you know, I'm just pretty, pretty, pretty active in the community. Good. No, I... I, I always give an example when I'm teaching my classes for expectant fathers about the fact that breastfeeding is very much an on-the-job training kind of thing, and sometimes it doesn't work for everybody, and so you'll need, you may need to get some help. And to emphasize the fact that it's an on-the-job training kind of thing, I, I tell them about my first child, who was 29, amazingly enough, but who just, uh -huh. you know, the whole breastfeeding thing just wasn't working, so we called down to the nursery back then. You had to do that. And uh, a, a young male nurse came in to show my wife how to breastfeed, which I thought was just endlessly entertaining. But uh, so now it's not quite obviously it, things have changed somewhat in, in a good way. You know, it's cool because I have to tell you, so, you know, like you said, it's an on-the-job training thing. I, I, I definitely stress that. But it's also about confidence and headspace and partners 
really lend a big hand to the success of how breastfeeding goes. And the biggest thing partners can do besides support and tell mom how great she's doing is to call for help when you need it immediately because it spirals down really quickly with breastfeeding, and it shouldn't be. The thing is, we've made it very, whether it's a male or a female helping you, it doesn't really matter because it's just mechanics, you know, and it's how you're holding the baby, what you're doing. Because babies, in the beginning, you know, the first, the first few weeks, they are running on reflexes. So it's all reflex reaction. So, so whether it's where you put the nipple, whether it's how you're holding the baby and stimulating the baby, if you're someone scratching the baby's foot, I had that happen before. Mom, mom came into town, and this person in particular was a physician here in town, a friend of mine, and she was doing great with her breastfeeding. And her mom came to town, and it just started spiraling down. Well, they came over to my house, and her mom and her are sitting on the couch, and her mom's sitting right next to her. They're very close, and, and, and she starts feeding the baby, and her mom starts scratching the baby's foot. <laughs> and, and I'm like, have you been doing that since you got here? She goes, oh, I can't help it. I love touching the baby. I'm like, there's your problem. That's it, you know? And it's so funny. So, so you know, basically understanding the reflex doing its reflexes and also that moms are, you know, they, they, they feel very, very insecure sometimes about it because our society's made breastfeeding sound like it's the hardest, most difficult thing when we didn't really have a choice, you know, 100 years ago <laughs> or you didn't have a living baby, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, there so were not a lot of options. Yeah. Well, you start off the book by talking, or not exactly starting off, it's pretty close to the beginning, but starting off about preparing your relationship and yourself for parenthood. How do you do that as, as a guy? Well, it's difficult because I'm not saying I'm perfect. You know, that's why I teamed up with Kirsten Bruner, my co-author. She, is, uh, she has baby-proof parents, and that's what she does. She gets people prepared for, for this. She's also a postpartum specialist. And... Uh, for me, you know, I we have a, a split family. Me and my my ex, we co-parent really well. We've got two beautiful daughters, and I wish we were together because I would like to see my girls every day, not every other week. You know, but we do we do you know turn them around to each other pretty easily. However, not everybody does that. So I would like to see more people stay together. And I find that with my my clients, we really work on that aspect of it, especially with my with my dual clients. I want them to go into the birth room really strong and stronger than than they were when they got pregnant, for sure, because people don't really realize how low, I mean, how not low that intimacy, the fruit of intimacy is hanging off the tree. You know what I mean? It's not. It's way up high. And you got to work to get it. And it takes it takes some, uh, you know, some tricky maneuvering sometimes. A lot of people don't tend to their relationship when they get pregnant. They tend to start thinking about, you know, what stroller they need and what car they need to buy and do they need a new house. And, you know, what, what about our baby shower? What about our gender reveal? And they're, they're forgetting about their relationship and, w- and what's going on. They, their, their conversations aren't the same anymore. They, they may be trying to, to get their, their house culture together, and they're not agreeing on things, you know. That's, that's a pretty big deal. It, it, you know, things change. You have to be really aware of what's going on and carve out that time for each other to, to strengthen your relationship so that you, you guys can handle it as a team. Well, how do you suggest people do that? That's one of the hardest things, especially as the pregnancy progresses and you get closer and closer, is that there's less and less to talk about. You're not spending time hanging out with your friends. You're not spending time at work as much. And it, it slowly, slowly becomes the 24-hour baby channel where, oh, the baby did this, the baby did that. And then, yeah, no and then once right. the baby shows up, so, it's the baby did this and the baby did that, except now there's the actual baby. And plus you're not sleeping and not having sex and not hanging out with friends. and it, 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 there yeah. seems like a, a massive wall of things that are, are conspiring against you. Okay, 
So that's that the that, that starts before it becomes and working towards that. And the biggest thing that I see that separates for guys, uh, and even even my lesbian couple, I see the the person who's not pregnant tends to feel, you know, like they're just not being heard, and and that this person doesn't get me anymore, and blah blah blah. Well, the problem is. The pregnant mom wants to see that person making a transition from, I'll quote Chris Pagula, from dude to dad, you know, and that transition going from dude to dad isn't always easy. So we need to have, uh, you know, some, some things for them to do. And I, when I teach rocking dads, I teach and I always say I've got the pregnant panty droppers. This is one of them. You guys write it down. And so I give them little things to do, like like sitting down with a piece of paper and a pen and getting your partner over and saying, okay, let's list 10 things we used to like to do before we got pregnant. And you list some of the stuff you used to like to do, right? You know, go shopping, whatever, go hiking, strippers, whatever you're into. You know? <laughs> and, then, and then you cross out the ones that you can't do with the baby. And then together you fill in those blanks. You go, babe, I think this is important. So we, you know, we know what you know, we, you know, our future looks like, and we can we can start planning to do some of these fun things with the baby, so we don't isolate ourselves. Because people always say your life ends when the baby comes, and that's not true. It begins. It's how you look at it. And I, I mean, I really enjoy being a parent. I, I know you do too. But you know, there are those realities of that the sex slows down for a little bit sometimes, and you got to stop in the beginning because mom's got to heal. You know, sometimes it's six to eight weeks if she's breastfeeding, or twelve to fifteen if she's not. You know, and and so that's a long time. Twelve to fifteen weeks is a long time. You guys, the, the audience that's listening is going, uh, we are so breastfeeding, <laughs> but uh, for the guys, right? But nonetheless, it's you know, you you've got to work on doing things like that, showing mom that you're concerned about what what. What you guys are doing together for the baby as a family, that makes a big, huge difference in how receptive uh, the female partner is. Um, big, big, big. The other thing is, you know, I have my clients cut out time for each other. I assign them to do things like slow dancing, eye gazing. Um, dad, I teach dads how to do like midwifery massage and some rebozo moves, and and I have them cut out time to do that during the week. Wait, what's a rebozo move? Cutting out some time. What, huh? what kind of moves? You said rebozo. Rebozo, yeah. The I Rebozo don't know what that is. Scarf. It's a nine-foot scarf. <laughs> it's nine feet by two feet, generally, is what we use in, in my business. And there's all these different moves that you can do that give pain relief to mom with them. They're totally ninja and cool. There's actually um, New Harbinger, my publisher, we put up a video of some of the Rebozo moves. And if you guys go to my Facebook, it's just Brian the Birth Guy on Facebook, look under my videos, and, and that video is up there. Yeah, and you guys can watch it and see what it's like. And moms love it. Love, 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 love. Wow. Okay. I never even heard of it. I, I'm feeling embarrassed. Well. No, you're not a doula. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that's right. You're an author and an amazing uh, you know, public figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, thank you. I feel so much better now. <laughs> okay. But it you sounds like something to check out. I yeah. do. I don't think So... Yeah, but it's it's a it's it's very much like a it's it's very much like a Latin American type of thing. The Rebozo, and it works fantastically. Talking with Brian so, like, Salmon, who's the author of the Birth Guys Go To Guide for New Dads: How to Support Your Partner Through Birth, Breastfeeding, and Beyond. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Brian about the beyond part of of parenting. I'm Armin Brandt, and you're listening to Positive Parenting.
GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armand Broad. If you're just joining us, talking with Brian Salmon, who is the author of The Birth Guy's Go-To Guide for New Dads. And we were just talking about oh, about uh, dancing with scarves, which sounds sexier than uh, than it probably is, or maybe may, maybe not. Well, you can make it sexy. It depends on, you know, your moves. <laughs> I um, guess. Sure got a few. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> not, not with teenagers around. I don't anymore. Uh, you know, I have a teenager, Eva. She just turned 14 in January, and it's it's been so wild watching her grow because she ran into a little bit of a problem. She got Lyme disease and was pretty sick for a little while there. We had actually had her get stem cell treatment and stuff, so she got better. But it definitely, her personality changed. But watching her so focused now as a young woman, she's she's so focused. She's an opera singer, and she's going to be performing at Carnegie Hall next month. I can't believe it. Wow. No wild. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that uh, that comes up a lot in, in the classes that I teach and obviously a lot more in the classes you teach is for dads trying to figure out a way to be supportive yet not lose track of the fact that their life is changing too and that the birth of the baby is going to be a, a transitional experience for them. So how do you how do you help guys to be able to be supportive but also experience it in in a meaningful way? That's an excellent question. Okay, so that is very important. What I do is I like to open up communication between my my clients, and I I have them do something towards the end. Especially, I have them do a, a gratitude, a little exercise every morning and if they have another child in the family they bring the child in too and you, you speak you, you write something down of gratitude you have for your partner something your partner does something about your partner about your partner's personality how your partner makes you feel something they may have done for you like maybe my partner bought me some ice cream i love that you bought me the perfect ice cream yesterday or something like that you know just just doing this little exercise for the, the last couple weeks of their pregnancy really kind of brings that home to, to paying attention and remembering who they're with and why instead of going a miserable pregnant, don't touch me, you know, or whatever's going on. You know, I try I think a lot of the when they're doing this massage and rebozo work and this care, it, it makes mom more receptive to being physical and touched um, by her partner because she sees that other side of the care. You know? Mm-hmm. And then in turn she wants to care for her partner. So I also assign them to do mom massage for 15 minutes, dad massage for 15 minutes. So they're both giving something to each other too. And, nice. You know, because a lot of the time I have dad taking the lead and doing all these things as head of household, but not the pregnant one. You know, so he can uh, he can take take charge of it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, no, that's very nice. 
So what uh, yeah, I want to actually, just because this has been stuck in my mind here about you being a, a breastfeeding coach. Um, sure. All right. So this is going to sound like a, a complete guy question, but there's actually a, a I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. When you are coaching breastfeeding, is there another woman in the room with you? You know, usually it's the partner who's in the room with me. Because okay. when I do lactation consults, I like the partner or some sort of support to be there because they're spending $120 on me, $140, depending on the yeah. house call or not, and, and where. And I want there to be somebody to retain some of this knowledge and help them because mom's going to forget. Most likely she's tired. It's been a long one. You know, if, they, if there's two of them together, one can take notes or yeah. whatever. So not necessarily. And when I'm in the hospital, you know, gosh, I'm, you know, all that staff so well. We're all really close friends. And I was ever down to be. They leave me alone. They know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the first latch with my client. And they know that we're successful when we do it. So, so you know, I typically don't have problems after that because once you get that first latch down and baby and mom kind of get what they're doing, mom can direct baby a lot easier mm-hmm. and faster and partner can see when she's slacking it and, like, forgetting to hold yeah. the baby. So when they were holding the baby, like, like in the beginning, you can't do Brother Teresa. You know, you can't hold the baby all with both arms. And when you're trying to breastfeed, you have to hold with one arm, so I call it boob hand, baby hand. But, yeah. no, I don't have a, another female in the room with me. Well, I, I was wondering I more for... For supervising problems, or for or for legal issues, I guess. I mean, are are you? Do you have to touch someone's breast in order well, to help really out with that? That's a great question, Armin. I always say this. This is so funny. I say this in in my in my breastfeeding class. I go, you know, professionally, I rarely have to touch a breast. Personally, it's a different story. <laughs> okay, but professionally, I don't because a lot of people, you know, you hear the stories of in you. You had a baby. Maybe the nurse went and grabbed the baby's head, got mom's boob with her other hand. Baby on mom's boob, right? Yeah. What does that do for mom? Not much besides the baby's eating that time. Mom didn't learn how to do it. So I instruct mom on how to do it. I wear gloves, and I and I rarely have such a process. Well, there's, there's times when we're in the hospital. Mom's like, please help me. Or dad's like, please help us because we're trying to extract colostrum because their baby had to go to the NICU, and right. mom's not getting it. So you have to show her how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was where I was, where I'm going with this is that that you talk Legal. about the importance of of dads participating in in breastfeeding and sure. helping with the process because when the dad is encouraging and helpful, it's, it's going to help the mom. But yeah. I can imagine that there could be some some tension if a dad is sitting there and then you have to you know you touch his partner's breast. It just it just seems like it could just get weird. Never has it has it been like that okay. ever. And I work with so many people. Like, gosh, I did. I did this last week. I've done know, probably ten meditation consults. And it, and I'm telling you, in my whole career, it's never been weird because the intention is different. And, I, and I'm a different personality too. Most people feel pretty comfortable around me. I'm pretty easygoing and, and warm, and you know, not like. You know, not creepy. <laughs> At least I, I guess I'm not because people are hiring me. But <laughs> yeah, you uh, you must be okay. It's, it's a... Yeah, I get, I'm pretty popular. The doctors all send to me, and you know, all the OBs know me and, and refer to me, and you know, we're pretty. I've got a tight reputation here in the city. Uh, you know, so but what what I tell people is, this is not. It's not necessary. It's not necessary for me generally to touch a breast. Because mm-hmm. you can just instruct mom to here, move your hand here. I'll, I'll, I might go touch her hand and put it on, on the baby's neck or something. And then hold your boob like this, and I'll show her with mine. I'm only an A cup, but, you know, she can still get the point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. 
All right, that was that was enough of my where where my head went with all of this. Just uh, just that, that went I understand. Yeah, See, at first I'm going. Gosh, I hope people don't ever pull crap like that. But no, no I, I, I my, my reputation is so strong, and, and you know I'm very respectful to people. I want people to have I mean, people are almost too comfortable with me when yeah. I do my house calls with my clients as a follow up. I, I follow up at their house, right, to make sure. Usually, when mom's milks come in, because that's when moms get a little insecure about, about breastfeeding, because suddenly their boobs are really firm and hard. The baby's not latching the same, and the baby they may have forceful flow at first. So we have to work with that because the baby's gagging and pulling off the breast, and you know, just to, to yeah. shift some things, right? Modify. Right. Uh, so, Brian, I want to. The minute we, I walk only... in the door, man, that boob comes out. I'm like, oh, well, hi. <laughs> we we only have just a minute left, but I want you to talk about one other area where where dads may feel a little bit out of sorts, and that is when when pushing starts happening during the birth. Uh, yeah, and something that I I tell the guys is that they they should obviously try to be as involved in the labor as they possibly can. But when when it's time to push, you probably want to let the nurses take the lead on on that part of it. The, well, the, the labor and delivery nurses. What's your perspective on that? My perspective is um, I want dads off the bench and on the field, and I want them to be a participatory person in it because that gives mom more confidence. They have something more to think about. You know, some of the doctors I deliver with will even let the dad catch the baby, and, right? You know, help right. catch, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, I love that. It's really fun. And so, but what we do is typically I'll hold one leg if mom's pushing on her back. I'll be on one side and put dad on the other side of the table for squatting or for hands and knees. You know, hands and knees, I like dad in front of mom so they can make eye contact. You know, and so he's coaching mom, and he's the one that mom cares about the most. She's going to find most comfort in him. Right, right. Not not in the nurse. So, so I want him that way. The other thing is if we're pushing on the back, I'll hold the leg for mom help her balance the leg, um, and then he'll hold the other leg, and then the nurse is freed up, and she loves that. And then you know we call we call, he doesn't push call the push usually I call the push you know take a deep breath hold it you know push 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 two three four five six seven eight nine ten let it out take another breath in let's get back at it but you know and and when dad's counting with us and the whole room starts to count and mom starts feeling you know very enthusiastic about it because she's got all this support it's pretty lovely. Brian Salmon is the author of The Birth Guy's Guy, Go-To Guide for New Dads, How to Support Your Partner Through Birth, Breastfeeding, and Beyond. And the website again, or the, you said the Facebook page? Facebook page is uh, Brian, Brian the Birth Guy. Okay. On Instagram, I'm Birth Guy. And we have a cool website just for the book with the book trailer on it, and that's called BirthGuyBook.com. Cool. Brian, thank you so much. Armin, it was a pleasure, and it was really nice to hear from you again. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.